Let's pray. Almighty God, we look to You. We pray that as uh, Your Word has been read and uh, as I have the privilege uh, to expound it in the the ears of Your people, I pray that uh, You would um, bless Your Word to our hearts and so doing, uh, set our our minds um, on the things of the Spirit. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. You know, every week as I read the news, I often ask myself, have we as a nation lost our minds? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I often find myself saying, what are we thinking? Uh, I'm tempted to think that we're not thinking that we are collectively brain dead as a nation. But I know that's not the case. In fact, it's just the opposite. Every choice we make as a culture, every action carried out by every individual, every movement or every fad is driven by an ideology. Far from being brain dead, the mess that we find ourselves in as a nation is because this is what our culture wants. We as a nation are actively seeking this. Frankly, that concerns me more than the idea that we might be brain dead. Uh, These are ideas uh, which are shaping our nation and they run counter to God's righteous laws. These ideas have gripped the minds of many in our nation and have captured uh, the devotion of many. Uh, These ideas, as destructive as they are, are very powerful. It is commonly accepted that opinions are stronger than armies. I will grant that many, or maybe probably most, cannot articulate what these ideas are. But they are caught up in the wave of godless ideology that is sweeping through our culture. And at some deep level, they are deeply committed to these ideas Again, even though they might not be able to fully articulate uh, precisely what these ideas are. I mentioned this about the ideas that are shaping our culture to give a heads up or a warning to ourselves. We also are shaped by our thinking. Ideas and ideologies form the framework from which we live our lives. There's a very close connection between our thinking and our living. And this is Paul's point in our passage this morning. He's saying that whatever you set your mind on shapes your lifestyle and your character. Paul's point, going back to last week's sermon, and if you're visiting with us, uh, what we are doing is working our way through the book of Romans passage by passage. And uh, last week we saw that God helps us to obey Him in spite of the fact that we still struggle with sin. Romans chapter 7, we struggle with sin, we struggle mightily with sin. 
Last week we saw there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But He doesn't leave us in His sin, in our sin. He helps us to obey God. So that's what uh, Paul was saying in verse 4 in uh, Romans chapter 8. Uh, he says, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. So we saw we we looked at that last week. Remember how we saw that the righteous requirement of the law is being fulfilled in us. And that's very important. Of course it's fulfilled in Christ. Christ fulfilled the law by living according to it and uh, fulfilled the law by dying according to the prophecies. And not only that, um, He fulfilled the law by uh, taking our the curse of the law that we deserved to be cursed with and going to the cross and dying for it. But what this passage is saying in verse 4 is that the law is fulfilled in us. And what he means here is that it is fulfilled by our actively obeying it. This is just another way of saying that God is going to help us to be obedient to His will. How is God going to help us to be obedient to His will? Well, again, look at verse 4 in chapter 8. That second phrase, "...who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit." So He's going to help us to be obedient um, and help us live according to His will by helping us live according to the Spirit. In other words, we cannot rely on our own efforts alone to be obedient. We need to live according to the Spirit. So then the question is, what does it mean to live according to the Holy Spirit? Well, he gives us that answer in verses 5 through 13. But he begins his answer in verses 5 through 8. So in verses 5 through 8, he tells us that our obedience or our living according to the Holy Spirit begins where? It begins in our minds. In fact, he makes the larger point that our lifestyle and our character begins in our minds. So listen to how he makes this point in verses 5 through 8 of Romans chapter 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. As I read this passage, did you recognize a contrast a contrast that Paul's setting up? God says that there are two categories of people who are living in the world. There are those who are living according to the flesh, and there are those who are living according to the Spirit. There is no third category. There is no middle ground. All humanity either is living according to the flesh or living according to the Spirit. 
So which category do you fall into? To answer that question, we should look at how the similarities and differences between these two categories of people shake out. So first of all, let's look at the similarities. Both those who live according to the flesh and those who live according to the Spirit live according to what their minds are set upon. Those who live according to the flesh do so because their mind is set upon the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit do so because their mind is set according to the, to the Spirit. To have your mind set upon something doesn't mean that you have a passing thought. It means something much more than that. It means that you are focusing your attention intently on something. That you are preoccupied with something. That your imagination is dominated by something. When your mind is set on something, it determines the pattern or direction of your thoughts and also, therefore, of your lifestyle. Or to use an illustration from John Owen, um, it's an inner disposition that runs like a spring continually in our soul. It's not like a passing thunder shower in which uh, God has has uh, given us such a, a wonderful picture of this morning. It's not like a passing thunder shower that might cause a short-lived stream to run through our minds but then soon dries up. Rather, it's like a stream, a rushing stream that's continually um, flowing through our soul. So the question is, what is your inner disposition? Do the concerns of the flesh or the concerns of the Spirit occupy your mind during the balance of your time? Are your thoughts generally pulled in a Godward direction or in a selfward direction? If your thoughts are pulled in a generally Godward direction, then your lifestyle and your character will also naturally follow in that direction. So look at your lifestyle. Examine yourself, the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Is your lifestyle characteristic of a mind that is set upon the Spirit? Or is your lifestyle characteristic of a mind that is set upon the flesh? So the similarity is that, that our lifestyle and our character is shaped according to what our minds are set upon. Now let's look at the differences between what, what it means to have your mind set on the, the spirit or the mind set on the flesh. First we're going to look at what it means to have your mind set on the spirit. Some might be thinking that to have your mind set on the spirit means that all you do is dwell upon religion or dwell upon theology. Well, that's not really what it means. It means that your mind is set upon things that please God. Your mind follows your desires. As Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your what will be also. There your heart will be also. So to set your minds on things that please God, it means that you, you nurture your desires for God. 
How can you do that? Well, you can read the Scriptures with the goal of applying the Scriptures to yourself. You want to be shaped and molded by the Scriptures. You want to to read the Scriptures and see where you're living out of accord and where you need to repent and ask God for forgiveness. You want to read the Scriptures and read of God's love for you and apply that to your heart. Read of all the great and glorious things that God has done for you in Christ Jesus and rest in those things. And then you pray about those things that you are reading about. Savor and relish the things that you are learning about God in the Scriptures. Think about how you can serve Him. Think about your gifts your talents, even your hobbies, the things that you enjoy doing, and daydream about how you can use them to serve God or how you can use your talents and your, your gifts and your, even your hobbies to serve others and help them grow in, in their walk with Christ. In other words, let your imagination dwell on what you can do for the Lord. Let your imagination dwell on what He is doing for you. Imagine, or let your imagination dwell on what it will be like to go to heaven one day and see Him face to face, to see Jesus Christ, our Savior, who died for us. To see the nail prints that are still in His hands and in His feet because He went to the cross for us. Let your imagination dwell on on, uh, the benefits of heaven. What it will be like to have all your aches, your pains, your heartaches to be removed forever. Think about what it will be like to never ever struggle with sin again. Because you love God, nurture that love. Encourage an ever-rushing stream of desire for God within your soul. When you have your mind set according to the Spirit, what you're doing is you're helping your mind to function as God made it to function. You were created to flourish in your relationship with God. You were created to enjoy God in everything. How does the the first catechism and the Westminster Shorter Catechism go? We're to glorify God and enjoy Him in everything. Uh, So be encouraged that God will help you to set your mind according to the Spirit. The difficulty we're experiencing in doing this is, even though we love God, the difficulty in setting our mind according to the Spirit is frankly just a testimony to how badly broken we are because of sin. We need Jesus every moment of every day. But be encouraged. Jesus loves you and is with you. He sent His Spirit to make your heart His home. Nurture your Spirit-controlled mindset and God will use it uh, to shape your character and your lifestyle. Oh, and I almost forgot. Look at what. Look at the result um, of having your mind set on the Spirit. Look at verse six. 
For the mind set on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Paul's going to elaborate more in verses 9 through 13 um, on how we can have our minds set on the Spirit. But in the remaining two verses in our passage, he elaborates on the person whose mind is set on the flesh. The flesh, or the mind, the person whose mind is set on the on the flesh, is by definition not concerned with godly desires. Their treasure is self. One of the Puritans used to talk about a worldly man's catechism. He said that the worldly man's catechism is what shall we eat, what shall we drink, and with what shall we be with uh, and with what shall we be clothed? Uh, their desires are on things that are here, possessions, uh, status, money, pleasure, happiness, material advancement. On and on and on. Their mindset is the opposite of the psalmist in Psalm 73. The psalmist in Psalm 73 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This is the description of a mind that is set on the Spirit. The mindset on the Spirit is the opposite of life and peace. Look again at verse 6. Verse 6 begins, For to set the mind on the flesh is death. Paul does not say that it leads to death. He simply says that it is death itself. There is no life of God in a mind that is set on the flesh. There is, not, there is no peace of God in a mind that is set on the flesh. It is simply death. To have a mind that is death is a very scary thing. Paul says that it is hostile to God. This means that the mind set on the flesh is not in a neutral category. Again, a reminder, there's only two categories of mankind. Those who have their mind set on the flesh, those who have their mind set on the Spirit. And Paul says, if you have it set on the flesh and it is death, it is therefore not neutral. It is, in a, it is not for God. It is not for godly desires. Rather, the heart or the mind set on the flesh, hates God. It rages against God. And because it rages against God, it does not submit to God's law. In fact, it is impossible for that person to submit to God's law. Absolutely, totally impossible. Am I overstating the case? Look at verses 7 and 8. Verse 7, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, actively raging against Him. For it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. This is the doctrine of total depravity. A person without the Spirit is so rebellious to God that they are unwilling and unable to submit to God. 
So if you find yourself in that position, you're in a scary position. And I call you by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to flee to Him. Don't stay in that position. Because it is death, and it certainly will lead to eternal death. But if you don't want to remain in that position, if you don't want to remain as a rebel to God, there's hope in Jesus Christ. Look to Him. Trust in Him. You won't be able to do it on your own. But the good news is, if you want to trust in Him, it's Him working in your heart and in your life. So be encouraged. Go to Him wholeheartedly. Trust in Him wholeheartedly, knowing that it is He who is working in your hearts. Finally, I want to conclude by making one simple point. Actually, there were two points. Um, One, since I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon that our culture is a culture of ideas. What is the hope for our culture? What are we called to do as Christians to combat the ideologies, the godless uh, ideas that are out there that are driving our culture? The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. The first use of, of flesh here is is like flesh and bone, skin. He's not talking about the flesh as a, a principle of ungodliness that lives within us, um, or that lives within the non-Christian. He's, he's talking here about the flesh. And so though we walk in the flesh, uh, we are not waging a war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments. And every lofty opinion. What are arguments and lofty opinions? Well, these are ideas, ideologies. We destroy these arguments and every lofty opinion that raises itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to obey Jesus Christ. So, how are we to wage war? We bring the gospel to bear upon our culture. And this is God's world that we live in. We are God's creatures. The high and lofty opinions that are out there have no, um, no foundation. The emperor is naked, so to speak, when you look at the foundations of these opinions and uh, lofty speculations that set themselves up against the knowledge of God and against the Gospel. So that's the first application. The second application is that your life is shaped by whatever preoccupies your mind. And so the overcoming of sin begins in our minds. Victory over sin, which is promised, and Paul's going to go out and continue to lay out in Romans 8, is only ever the result of having our minds set on the Spirit. 
And the Spirit has made his home, made your heart His home and He delights to reside there. So be encouraged and nurture the things of God. Um, nurture your thought life in Christ. Let's go to Him in prayer. Father, we seek You this morning asking that You would set our minds on things above where Christ is seated at Your right hand. Help us to delight in those things that are worthy and, and, uh, and praiseworthy. Lord, help us to set our minds on Jesus Christ because He is our Savior. Help us to set our minds on the fact that we are adopted as His dearly loved children. Help us to set our minds on the fact that You love us so much and that You are a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God, that we are certainly by no means here alone to, um, to, to wage... Uh, warfare against our sin, but it is You who is working in us, and so we are more than overcomers through Christ Jesus our Lord. We pray in His name. Amen.